We now take you into a service already in progress where Pastor Ashish exhorts the congregation and leads them in making the declaration. And right after this is a life-changing message for you. Let's open our Bibles and make a declaration. You can turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 7. I just want to read a couple of verses from there. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 17 and 18. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 17 and 18. Here's what it says. It says, if you should say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? You shall not be afraid of them, but you shall remember well what the Lord your God did, for, did to Pharaoh and, and to all Egypt. You know, in recent days, I've just been thinking about this and I'm just talking to the Lord about it and saying, God, you know, uh, what we are having right now is just enough. You know, we're kind of, you know, we're making it through in our Christian life, in, our, in several areas of our life, but it's only just enough. It's like the people going through, you know, their journey towards the promised land, towards the land of promise. God said, you know, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. So I'm going to bless you all. But they were journeying and on their journey, they had just enough for the daily needs. And so saying, God, what we're experiencing of you is just enough. I know we talked about outpouring, but God really, we're just having a little trickle right now. It's kind of just enough. Where is the outpouring? Where is the abundance? Where is the milk and honey? Where is what you said? And there is much more to everything. There is much more to the presence of God, much more to the anointing of God, much more to our experience of God. So I'm saying, God, we are having only just enough, but I want more than enough. God, you know, we're just surviving, but God, you said we can thrive, not just survive. Amen? So I mean, praying and, and, and uh, there were two things that the Lord just put on, upon my heart as I was just considering this before the Lord and our uh, first thing is this you know when God brought his people all the way into the land that he promised for them the land of promise one thing really kept them from entering in and that was unbelief amen they came all the way there but then unbelief made them turn around and they had to continue another 40 years in the wilderness so because of the unbelief of their hearts, they could not enter in to more than enough. See, many of us have faith for just enough, but when it comes to more than enough, we have unbelief. Is that right? We have faith for our daily bread, but when we say, God, we want our daily bread and a lot of, bread and a lot of butter also, no, 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 no. We've come out of poverty, we have graduated to just enough, but I believe that we are at a place of unbelief because we are not able to get into more than enough. And you say, but why should we have more than enough? So that we can enjoy more of God and bless the world with it. Amen. With signs, wonders, miracles, everything. We need more than enough. We need the outpouring of more than enough of who God is in all of our lives. But here's one thing that's keeping us. It's our unbelief. The very thing that kept His people from entering into the land of promise. And the second thing that the Lord just put up on my heart was this. He said, you know, when we think of the land of promise, we think of a land flowing with milk and honey. And I, was, I wonder what the Israelites, what the Jewish people were wondering when God said, I'm going to take you to a land of milk and honey. Maybe what they were thinking of just floating on clouds of honey and sailing on rivers of milk. But when they came there, they saw Jericho. They saw giants. They were a little confused. God, this doesn't really look like the land flowing with milk and honey. It's got walled cities. It's got nations that are mightier than us. It's got giants. Can this be the land of milk and honey? So here's the key. 
We have a wrong conception of what the land of milk and honey is. We have a wrong conception of what's more than enough is. Just because God's going to take us into a land, just God is saying, I'm promising you more than enough, doesn't mean that, is, that it is void of Jerichos, or giants, or mountains that we have to conquer. God is saying, if you're willing to get in and fight the Jerichos, if you're willing to fight the giants, you can enter into the land of more than enough. Amen. So I said, okay, God. So if I want more than enough, I've got to be willing to rise up and fight the Jerichos and fight the giants and say, give me this mountain because the land of milk and honey is not a land that's void of Jerichos and giants. Amen. And that's where this word comes. And God speaks to his people in Deuteronomy 7, 17. And he says, look, if you say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? Okay, you want milk and honey. You want outpouring. You want the abundance. You want more than enough. But here's the key. You've got to go face, go into a land that has Jerichos, that has giants. But if you say in your heart, how can I take all this? Then I want you to remember that I'm with you. Amen. I want you to remember I'm with you. But the key is, what are you saying in your heart? What are you saying in your... Are you saying, oh God, you know, I really wanted to get into that place where I can experience more of you, but I see these Jerichos, I see these giants. I really want to get into this place where I can, uh, you know, experience more than enough, but I see these giants. And are those giants keeping... What are you saying in your heart about those giants? If you're saying, oh, they're so big, it's going to keep you out. But if you can say, God is with me. I'm able to take my Jerichos. I'm able to conquer those giants. Like what Caleb said. Give me this mountain. So well, how do I know what I'm saying in my heart? Well, listen to what your mouth's saying. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, the Bible says. So what are you saying in your heart about your land of promise? Listen to your mouth speaking. I want to challenge all of us. Let's declare that we are able to enter into a land of promise. Amen. Let's stand up to our feet. We're going to make a declaration this morning. I want you to hold your Bible high up in the air. Say this out loud with me. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved. Healed. Delivered. Redeemed. I'm blessed. Victorious. Prosperous. Triumphant. I'm a minister of God. A servant of Christ and a channel of his blessing to many people. I receive his word. I believe his word. And I live by his word. Christ is my master. And to him, I am in absolute surrender in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Okay, this morning we're just going to continue uh, our, what we've been talking about the last few Sundays on sharing our story. Uh, we've, uh, we started off from Romans chapter 10 verse 1 where we talked about Paul's expressing his heart. He's saying, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they will be saved. And we kind of personalized that and said, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for India is that India will be saved. My heart's desire and prayer to God for Bangalore is that Bangalore will be saved. My heart's desire and prayer to God for family or neighbors is that they will be saved. And so we kind of just building up on this week after week. I want to quickly review. We talked about having a passion for the unsaved, the need to have a passion for souls. Um, several reasons because God, God's heart, God loves people. He wants to reach people. 
We talk about the reality of eternity, that once this, this life that we are in is very transient, and one day all of us will cross over, and we will have to go either to heaven or to hell. And without Jesus Christ, we are lost into an eternity without God. And God has placed the responsibility on us to share about His love and His message. We talk about the present reality, that the people here today who need help, people in our world who need help. So we need to share Jesus and about the heavenly mandate that God is counting on us to share the gospel. He hasn't commissioned angels to go preach the gospel. He's commissioned you and me to preach Jesus to the world. And last Sunday we talked about overcoming obstacles. I just want to quickly review uh, what, what would be some of the obstacles that you and I need to overcome, not knowing what to say, uh, feeling that no one is interested in the gospel, the fear of rejection or ridicule, uh, uh, identity problems. Sometimes we don't want to disclose our true identity, but we know that Jesus said, if you Deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father. So we must confess Him here on earth. We talked about lack of time, a lack of unsaved friends, and some other excuses that people might give. And it's not my personality, or somebody else will do it. I don't have to do it. Or I'll just live a good life. And all those kinds of excuses. But we need to put all these aside and move forward to fulfilling our commission, our mandate. Amen? Let's just repeat those two verses that we kind of talked about last Sunday. Paul said in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Let's say that together. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And then we saw 2 Timothy 1, 7 and 8 that says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Therefore, I will not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Amen. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love and a sound mind. And so we will not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. This morning, I want to talk about communication keys, some very practical things on how to share Jesus with people. But before we get into that message, I want to invite our dear brother Georgie to come and minister to us in song. Let's put our hands together. Just, he's been blessing us with song and just want to allow Georgie to minister to us this morning. How he's tried to 
light his own candle some other way. See now your sister, she's been robbed and lied to, still holds a candle without a Carry your candle, run to the darkness, seek out the lonely, the tired and worn. Hold out your candle for all to see it. Take your candle, go light your world. Take your candle. Your world. We are a family whose hearts are blazing. Let's raise our candle, light up the sky. Bring to our Father in the name of Jesus. Make us a beacon in darkest times carry your candle run to the darkness seek out the helpless deceived and poor hold out your candle for all to see it take your candle go light your Thank you so much, Sarge. Thank you. So let's talk about some simple, very practical communication keys on how to share Jesus with people around us, with friends or strangers. Now, when we are talking to people, we can approach this gospel through different ways and different means, but this is the core. We've got to tell people this, that Jesus died for your sins. He was buried. He rose up again. And you need to believe that message. This is the gospel. Now, Suppose you had only five minutes, you know, just, just assume that you were in a, in a bus or you were, you know, sitting next to somebody. You only had five minutes. You got, that person came on the bus at point A. You, you've got five minutes. They're going to get down on point B. In five minutes, you need to share something with them. You need to share the gospel with them. Here's a simple way to do that. What we call as the, the, the gospel in five minutes. The gospel in five minutes. It's essentially the, what we, many of us would know as the four spiritual laws. I and mean, if you can remember these four points, you can share the gospel in five minutes. In a very, very simple, concise way. You know, you don't have to start from Genesis, go all the way to Revelation, talk about the dragon and all the, dun no, sorry, all the other stuff. You don't have to do that. This is simple. In five minutes, you can give them the basic message of the gospel. If you'll remember these four points. First, every man is a sinner. 
And here are the key scriptures that you could use in Romans 3.10. There is no one who is righteous, no, not one. Uh, Romans 6.23, uh, 3, all have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, but no, don't, don't worry about uh, putting up the scriptures. We'll just, just keep that slide there. Uh, uh, every man is a sinner, right? And second, that sin has its consequences. So point one, every man's a sinner. Point two, sin has its consequences. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. Your sins have separated you from God. Okay? Uh, Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin is death. So everyone has sin. You'll agree with that? Sin has its consequences. You know, you can't just go away and punish. What's the result of sin? You're separated from God. It's going to lead us into an eternal death. Point number three. But God loves us. Talking about the love of God and the cross of Jesus Christ. God loved the world so much, He gave His only Son. Romans 5.8 This is how God shows His love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And there are other scriptures that you can use. 1 John 2.2 saying, He is a payment for our sins and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. Isaiah 53.6 All of us like sheep have gone astray, but the Lord laid upon Him the sins of us all. That's point three. God's love. And what Christ did for us on the cross. And point four is this. You need to believe in Jesus. To receive salvation. When you believe in, Je- when you believe in Jesus, you will be saved. And there are scriptures on that. Romans 10.9. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth. You'll be saved. Romans 10.13. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So by using these scriptures, you in four simple points, you can communicate the gospel in five minutes. Our sin. The result of sin. The cross of Jesus, the decision that needs to be made. Simple. Five minutes, you're able to share the gospel. Now, if the journey is a little longer, you've got eight minutes, you can share the God's story in eight minutes. Right? You can go from Genesis to the cross with one extra point. God's story in eight minutes, starting from Genesis. Talk about creation. God created man. For what purpose? To have a relationship with him. To take care of the earth. So God created man. You talk about the fall of man, its consequences. Man sinned against God and sin came into this world. Romans 5, 12, for by one man sin entered into the world. Now you don't have to waste your time talking about whether Adam ate an apple or a cherry. Don't waste your time on those things. You know? Adam sinned, finished. Sin came into this world. Sin passed upon all men. And use some of the same scriptures. Then you talk about the fact that man's attempt to reach God. So all of us are trying to reach God in some way. But there is a barrier. It's the barrier of sin. So religion is man's attempt to reach God, but religion cannot break through that barrier. And we, we say that Isaiah 59.2, sin separates us from God. And some of the same scriptures, Isaiah 64 verse 6 says, Your best actions are like filthy rags before God. So even if you do a whole lot of good work, they still don't match up to God's standards. Because your best actions are still like filthy rags. right? And then you talk about the... Uh, uh, God's, God reaches out to man. So man is a sinner. He's separated from God. He can't reach God, but God reaches down to man. We talk about the cross of Jesus Christ. And there are scriptures that you can share on that. And then you invite them to believe. So in, with five simple points, you can tell God's story in eight minutes. Going from Genesis to the cross. Amen? Can we all remember that? Now, all of us who have studied in Indian schools, right? We can do much more than that because we've had to remember a lot more. <laughs> so these five points you can remember. Amen. Now, in case you find that difficult, you don't know the bus route. We'll give you only one route that you have to remember. It's called the Romans route. If you remember this route, 
It's called the Romans Road. Six verses from the book of Romans. You start with Romans 3.23 or Romans 3.10. There is no one who is righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. Point one, you're establishing the fact that we all sinned. Point two, the result of sin, Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death. Point three, God's love for us. Romans 5.8, God shows his love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Point four, our response. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you will be saved. Romans 10, 9 and then verse, Romans 10, 9 and 10 and then verse 13. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So even if you remember only one bus route, you can still take a person through to salvation. It's called the Romans road. Amen? So you have one of these choices. You know, you could do the gospel in five minutes, God's story in eight minutes, or just take them down Romans road. Amen. So we all know how to share the gospel. What is the gospel? Is that right? Okay, now we've gone one step further. We've prepared what is called memory pack, memory verse packs. Okay. Now, when I was a teenager, the way I used to memorize verses was by writing them on cards. All my dad's business cards, all the cards that people would give my dad, you should come to me. On the back of the card, I would write verses on different topics and memorize them. So you can learn scripture in two ways. You can memorize it using memory cards or you can memorize through meditation. So nowadays, I memorize through meditation. But in the early days, I used to use memory verse cards. So on Tuesday, I got this idea and I sent an email to Karuna. So on Tuesday, I sent an email to Karuna saying, Karuna, we have these 13 verses. Can you create this memory verse pack? And sure enough, she did it. Uh, I really want to thank her for that. Uh, she's not here, but I would like to acknowledge, that, acknowledge what she did. But she's put these 13 verses on these 13 cards with nice colors and everything. They're all the scriptures you need. Not all, but all the important scriptures that you need to share the gospel with somebody. Okay? So if you will buy this pack. Now, I'm not doing any marks. And I'm not doing any commercial here. But you need to buy it. Okay? I'm not going to give it over free. Right? Uh, these packets are available at the book table for 25 rupees. It's the first memory verse pack. It's got 13 scriptures, 13 cards, all numbered 1, 2, 3 to 13. Or verses that you need to share the gospel with people. Okay? So many times we don't tell people about the gospel because we don't know what to say. Okay, I'm going to t I need to share the gospel. What do I say? Oh, which scripture am I supposed to talk about? You know, and then we end up doing things like, you know, the Bible says God helps, with the help. God helps those who help themselves. And, you know, we make up all these things because we don't know what the Bible says. And we say, you know, the Bible says work is worship. The Bible never says these things because we don't know what it says. We make it say what we want it to say, you know. So avoid all that confusion, memorize scripture. So then you will have the confidence that what you're saying is really what the Bible, amen. So we have these memory verse packs that are available for 25 rupees outside, uh, yeah, and I want, I want to encourage everybody to memorize scripture. So if you memorize these 13 verses, you'll be in a good position to share the gospel with anybody. Amen? So we want to give some of a, I want a, a, two, two people to stand up who are students. You're a student either in school or college. Quickly stand up. Two students. Nobody here is students? All right. Ramya and who else? Okay, here's one. You take one and somebody can give one to Ramya. Come and take it. All right. Two people who are young professionals. Can you stand up? You're single and you're working. Okay, two middle-aged people, married couples, middle-aged, you're between 30 and 70. 
<laughs> okay, we have Anish and we have Kenny at the back. Okay, two. And then we have, we want two senior people. That means you're a little over 17. No, no. Close to 17. <laughs> All right. Two senior people. Okay. Uncle will buy it, but we'll give it to some others. Two senior people. Okay, the reason I'm doing is this, because people of all ages can memorize scripture, amen? Whether you're a little student, whether you're a young person, whether you're a middle-aged person, or whether you're a senior person, you can memorize scripture. We want everyone to learn it. So please buy this pack, memorize scripture. And you know, what, we, what I was thinking of doing is we continue to put these memory packs on different topics. You know, the best way to, you know, get, do, to really, the word of God, when it gets into you, will change your life, amen? So you've got to make an effort to put it into you. You know, it's one thing to have the medicines on the shelf. It's another thing to take it and put it inside you. That's the same thing with the Word of God. You know, it's one thing to have a nice Bible. It's another thing to have the Bible inside you. Right? The Bible changes you when it gets inside you. One of the ways is to memorize Scripture. Put it into your heart. So, we'll do that later. Now, I want to make this point here that the gospel of salvation, just for, you, for us to understand, the gospel of salvation, the word salvation in the Greek is sozo. And it's a word that is bigger than what we are normally accustomed to. When we think of salvation, we only usually think of somebody receiving forgiveness of sins. But in the gospel, the, the word, or in the New Testament, the word sozo is much bigger than just forgiveness of sins. It does include forgiveness of sins. For example, in Acts 4.12, salvation is the word sozo is used to, about salvation, receiving forgiveness of sins. Peter says, if you believe, there is no other name given under heaven among men by which we can be saved. Sozo, forgiveness of sins. But sozo is also used for healing and deliverance. Healing or wholeness. In Matthew 9.22, when Jesus spoke to this woman, he said, Daughter, your faith has saved you. It's the same word. He said, your faith has healed you. Your faith has made you whole. It's the same word, sozo, salvation. So salvation also means healing and wholeness. And then in, the, in Luke, the 8th chapter, I think when Jesus spoke to the man uh, from the, the demoniac from Gadara, Luke 8.36, it, it says that, you know, he told this man, uh, those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. That, uh, that word that again is sozo, used in the context of deliverance. So in the New Testament, salvation means forgiveness of sins, healing and wholeness, and deliverance. Okay, Salvation is a full package that has all this. So when you're talking to people, understand that sometimes God might heal them first before He forgives their sins. Or sometimes God might deliver them first before he deals with the issue of them being saved or forgiven. Every person that Jesus healed was unsaved. Is that true? Yeah, because it happened before the cross. He didn't say get saved and then get healed. Every person that Jesus healed was unsaved. So God does the same thing today. Sometimes he heals them first and then saves them. Sometimes he delivers them first and then saves them. So don't become so rigid on how salvation must come to a person. They could be healed, delivered, and then saved. Or they could be delivered, healed, and then saved. However God wants to do it, go with it. Your goal is get them saved. Amen? And that's exactly what Jesus did in Matthew 9.35. And he went preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He went healing every sickness and every disease among the people. With the preaching of the gospel, there was healing and deliverance. I also want to emphasize this. Have confidence in the power of the gospel and understand the work of the Holy Spirit. Paul said this, Romans 1.16, the gospel is the power of God. Now this message that we are sharing with people about Christ dying for our sins, being buried and being raised up, that message is, the Bible says, the power of God. 
Amen. So even though it's so simple, you know, it's not talking about, you know, some very complicated thing. It's a very simple thing. Yet that simple message is the power of God. And you and I must have confidence that this is the power of God. Amen. Even if it's a simple message, this gospel has life-changing power in it. <coughs> if somebody believes it, they will be saved. So have confidence in the gospel. And the next thing I want to emphasize is the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, when you are sharing the gospel, always keep in mind the Holy Spirit is working with you. Acts 5.32, Peter said, Peter says, we are witnesses of these things and the Holy Spirit with us. See, you're not just witnessing alone. The Holy Spirit is working with you. So really, there's an undercover agent who's with you. Holy Spirit. So while you're, you know, stumbling over your words, you don't know which road to take, Romans road, Jews road, you're wondering which road. You're stumbling over the words, you're doing all this, but the Holy Spirit is working. What's he doing? John 16, verse 8, 9, 10, Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world. So this is his ministry to the world. He will convict the world of three things, of sin, righteousness, judgment. What's the Holy Spirit going to do to the unsaved person? He's going to convict them of sin, righteousness, judgment. What does it mean? He said the Holy Spirit will convict them of sin because what sin? They drink, they smoke, not that sin. What sin will the Holy Spirit convict the unbeliever of? Of sin because they do not believe in me. So the Holy Spirit is going to convict them. Listen, this is the very sin the Holy Spirit deals with the unbeliever about. The sin of unbelief, of not believing in Jesus. He is not going to deal with them about the sin of drinking and smoking and doing this thing and that thing. That's not, that comes afterwards. The first sin he's going to convict them of is a sin of not believing in Jesus. Of righteousness because I go to the Father. The Holy Spirit is going to convict the unbeliever of righteousness. The only way you can be right with God is through the one who went up to the Father. That is Jesus Christ. Amen. Who's going to do it? The Holy? The Holy Spirit is the one who's going to convict the unsaved person saying, Look, the only way you can be right with God is through the one who went to the Father. It's not your responsibility, it's my responsibility. It's the Holy Spirit's responsibility to convict the world of sin and of righteousness. And of judgment because the prince or the ruler of this world is judged. It's the Holy Spirit who's going to bring the conviction in the heart of the unsaved person that it is foolishness to stay in darkness, better come into light. It is foolishness to be under Satan because he has been judged, better come under Jesus Christ. If the Holy Spirit is going to convict him of that. Amen. Tell a neighbor, don't be the Holy Spirit. Just tell them, don't be the Holy Spirit. You know the problem we, we make, the mistake we make, is when we go out witnessing, we want to do the Holy Spirit's work for Him. We want to convict this world of sin, of righteousness, judgment. So we point our finger and say, you are smoking, you are drinking, you got to give all that up, you got to do this, you got to do that. Listen, you don't be the Holy Spirit, you're only a witness. You witness, you share Jesus. The Holy Spirit convicts of sin, righteousness, judgment amen and you become a hindrance when you start pointing your finger on the sins of the world or trying to beat into the hearts of people minds of people that the only way they can become right with god is through jesus and, and, and doing all those things when you start doing the work of the holy spirit you actually become a hindrance to his work he said go preach the gospel the good news 
He will do the convicting. He will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Amen? Have confidence in that fact that, look, all I need to do is to share Jesus. The Holy Spirit will bring the conviction in their hearts. So, now let me get into the very basic, very down-to-earth practical things of talking to friends and strangers. You know, we can talk to friends, we can talk to strangers. Okay? About sharing the gospel with them. And, 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 and you know, I, like, when I was like a school guy, just I should stop anybody. I remember stopping people out on Palace Road, this road in, in Cubbon Park, just, just doing all this weird stuff, you know. Stopping people, talking to strangers, telling them about Jesus. So, you can talk to friends, you can talk to strangers. Now, here's some basic guidelines, how to talk, how to communicate the gospel. You know, it's important that you have a right setting. You know, the best, the ideal setting will be to have somebody, to have people in a place, have the person in a place where they can give full attention to what you are saying. So that's why coffee day is such a nice place. Right? Go to a place where they can pay attention to what you're saying. Right? If you're in the middle of something that's very busy, they're being distracted, they might lose a lot of what you're saying. So an ideal setting is to have a quiet place, maybe, uh, you know, better in an office, in a park, in a, in a coffee place, where people can really listen to what you're saying. That's, it's important to have a good setting. And uh, here are some ways on how you can approach the subject. And we've dealt with what to share, and I'll talk about how to uh, handle responses as well. How do you approach the subject? Here are some four simple ways to approach the subject when you're talking to somebody about Jesus. First one is to ask leading questions. Ask leading. See, Sharing the gospel has a lot to do with listening as much as it has to do with speaking. You need to listen to know and get to know the person. Now, if, especially if it's a stranger, you begin with some very basic things. You know, you're, you're on a flight. Somebody's sitting next to you and uh, you want to start sharing the gospel. Then, So you start with some basic things. Get to know the person. You know, so what is your name? What do you do? You know, so it, you ask these questions. Ask, you know, these are questions just to get to know the person. No, suppose he says, you know, well, I study religion. Then immediately you know that you're, you're dealing with somebody really serious. You know, you better get all this. You, better, you should have bought those memory packs. You know, <laughs> I should have memorized those 13 scriptures. <laughs> I'm sitting next to somebody who, who's studying religion. You know, or you can ask the question like, you know, where did you study? Um, uh, you know, he might say, you know, I studied in St. Joseph's Boys High School. Ding, something goes off. Because all people said you used to meet there, you know. So your next question would be, oh, when did you study there? You know, 2007, 2008. Oh, that's getting really close to home, you know. Then you can ask him, you know, did you know of a church that used to meet there called all people? Okay. The point is, is as you get to know the person, you ask some leading questions. What did you study? Where did you study? Um... How do you spend your leisure time? If he says, you know, I spend all my leisure time meditating, then you know you're, you're, you're dealing with somebody very spiritual, right? Uh, if he says, I spend my time, you know, I like to watch cricket, I like to play football, and you like to do that too, then you have a common ground to start talking with that person. So you ask some general questions just to get to know the person. And then you begin to go into asking questions to understand their belief system. What does this person really believe? Here are some questions you could ask. You know, you'd ask the person, you know, do you consider yourself to be very spiritual? Or are you interested in spiritual things? And he might say yes or no. And then you ask him, why do you say that? Now, if he says, yes, I, I feel I'm very spiritual. He says, no, why do you say that? No, because I go to all people's church once a year. You know. So his concept of being spiritual is slightly distorted. You know. Or if he says, you know, because every morning I get up and first half an hour I do these kinds of things. Then you know that he's really searching and seeking. Right? So God has brought the right person next to you because he's told you he does something every day that, that, that really shows that he's a seeker. He's trying to find the truth. 
You, know, you can ask things like, have you ever been to church? And um, uh, so they might say no. They might say yes. Then you can ask them, what, how, what was your experience when you went to church? And he said, you know, that was the only time I went to church. The preacher pointed his finger at me and told me I'm going to hell. You know? <laughs> and I, from that day, I've never gone back to church. Now you know that you've got a problem. You've got some serious thing to work through. You know? uh, but if he says, you know, you know I really enjoyed uh, going to church. It was really wonderful. I experienced uh, a lot of peace. Then you can build on that, you know. Now, if he tells you he was studying in a Christian school or a convent school, you can ask this kind of a question, you know. So when you were studying at St. Joseph's College, uh, which, you know, was a Christian school, um, did anybody tell you about the good news of Jesus? So you're using his background to ask a leading question, right? Uh, he said, you know, the only news I got was bad news every time I saw my mark seat, you know. <laughs> Nobody told me any good news in the college, you know. Uh, well, then you know that you need to share the good news. Or he might say, yeah, when I was there, you know, there used to be these guys, they used to come from all people's church. Every Sunday, they used to make us sit and listen to something called the gospel. You know, uh, whatever, you know, they, he might share his experience and then it kind of leads you into, uh, you can, you know, take it further to share the gospel with him. Or you can ask some other questions, you know, do you, what do you think of when you think of God? So he might say, God, it's just a consciousness. You know? It's just something out there. And then you know that, he has no idea of what God is. <laughs> or he might, you know, you, you get all kinds of answer, answers when you ask him this question. What do you think when you think of God? Or do you believe in life after life? You might say yes, you might say no. But you can, you know, take it from there. You get to know what he believes. What is his belief system? So that you can then go on to share the gospel. Or why do you think there's evil in the world? Or you can even use special occasions. For instance, you know, around Good Friday time, you can say, you know, hey, do you know what is the, what's the real meaning of Good Friday? What's the real meaning of Easter? Around Christmas time, you know, you know what is the real meaning of Christmas? Say that Jesus came. Then you can ask, you know, okay, do you know why Jesus came? So these simple questions that you're asking helps you to get to know the person. And from there allows you to go on to share the gospel of Jesus. So asking leading questions is a very simple approach to getting, entering into the subject of presenting the gospel. A second approach could be the prayer approach. So let's say you get to know the person. He could be your friend. He could be a stranger. You get to know him. Look out for three things. Any difficulties in his life? Is he going through some problems, some struggles, some difficulties? Or what are his um, needs. Maybe he's looking for a job. Maybe he's looking uh, for some, you know, a spouse. He's maybe, he, he has certain needs in his life. Or his plans. Says, you know, I'm, I'm moving to Mumbai. I'm going to start a business there. You know, whatever. He has certain plans. And you get to know his difficulties. Or you can get to know his needs. Or get to know his plans. Now, once you get to know him, you can offer to do this. You can say, you know, can I just take a moment to pray with you? For that need. Or it could be a good thing. It could be he's going to get married. So, hey, that's great. Can I just pray for you for your marriage? Right? So you say, can I pray for that need? Or that difficulty you're going through? Or that new thing you're going to start? You're going to start a business. You're going to get married. You're moving cities. You're moving jobs. You're entering school. You're entering college. Whatever. It's a good thing. Can I just pray with you for a minute? Now, normally, nobody will say no to a free prayer. Is that right? It's very few people who would say you keep your prayer to yourself. You know. But most people would welcome a free prayer. Now, when you do that prayer, it's very simple. Now, don't start praying in tongues at that time. 
please. <laughs> That's the wrong time to pray in tongues. Okay? Please, put it in bold. Don't pray in tongues at that moment. <laughs> if you want to pray, pray quietly. Okay? Or before or after. But when you're about to pray for him, you pray for whatever he told you to pray for. Right? His need. Pray for that. But while you're doing that, keep two things in mind. First, keep your ears open. If God is revealing something more to you, so maybe you're praying for his new business that he's going to start, but God is saying pray for his right leg that he broke in an accident a year ago. It's not healed properly. So you start praying and saying, and God also heal his right leg. So when you finish praying, you say, why did you pray for my leg? Then you have a chance to talk to him and say, you know, uh, Jesus, whom I talk to, he also talks to me. So now we are showing him the reality of a personal relationship with you're showing him that. You're demonstrating it to him. That God is real. He speaks. I speak to him. He speaks to me. And so while I was talking, he showed me. He also told me to pray for your right leg. Right? So be open to words of knowledge. Be open to some revelation. Be open to prophecy that comes through. Because that can change his life. And third is when you're praying for him for that need, you're op being open to some of these things. But you also pray for his salvation. Say, so Lord, I pray. That you'll open his eyes. Send somebody his way who will share Jesus with him. Very simple thing you've done. But you've put a mark on his life in the spirit. Because you prayed for him. Amen. Now if he's a friend. If he's somebody that you meet often. You know next time he has a need. He'll remember that you prayed for him before. He'll come back to you. Say can you pray again for me. That prayer was really good. Whatever you did that day. Can you do it one more time. It keeps the door open. And along that journey, you can one day share Jesus with him. Amen? The third approach with people is this, is that what we can call as a two-minute testimony. So we talked about uh, the asking leading questions. We talked about the prayer approach. I want to talk about the two-minute testimony. You need to be able to share your salvation experience in two minutes. Okay? Or an experience of divine intervention in two minutes. So you keep these stories ready. So you rehearse them, practice them. You know, uh, if you have rehearsed it and you've practiced it, you can pull it out anytime and share it. You don't have to wonder, what am I going to say now? No. So you'll be able to share your testimony in two minutes. Now, don't start, you know, in 1935 when I was born. <laughs> hey, by the time you come to 1936, you lost him. You know? Please don't do that. Share your testimony in two minutes or a testimony of divine intervention in two minutes see remember what we said last sunday that many people make a decision to receive christ as a process not as a moment momentary thing so that two minute testimony could just nudge him that much closer to jesus that two minute testimony of a divine intervention can just move him a little more closer to jesus that's all you need to do right so be prepared for example you know um let's say uh, i um I meet somebody, and I meet Benoit here. Uh, Benoit is sitting at the backstage. But suppose I meet Benoit, and uh, I, uh, uh, let's say, you know, uh, uh, this is all made, made, made up, all right, what I'm saying about Benoit. Let's say Benoit is a young man. He's kind of lost focus. He's trying to find his way through life, find meaning. That's not true. Benoit is a very nice man. He's married. His purpose, everything's straight, okay? But, uh, but I'm just making this. So let's say you meet a young man who's kind of lost uh, he's looking for meaning and purpose and so so here's how I would share my testimony and I would go to him and, and uh, let's say he's my friend I've just been 
and I kind of see this happening in his life. And I go to Ramesh and say, Ramesh, you know, uh, can I just share a little bit what, what happened in my life? You know, Ramesh, when I was about 12 years old, just before I became 13, one day, a non-Christian friend took me to church. You know, I used to go to church a lot. I mean, to go with my parents, but nothing really mattered. But that afternoon when I went to church, when I went to a chapel, uh, the teacher there prayed with me. I, uh, I asked Jesus into my life. I gave my life to Jesus. But something very powerful happened, Ramesh. When I, when I gave my life to Jesus, suddenly God became very real to me. And I found a sense of purpose. I found a, a, a meaning in life. And ever since that time, you know, God has been very real. And uh, although I've been through lots of difficulties in life, that knowing that I have a purpose in life has really kept me going, Ramesh. And I believe, Ramesh, if, if, you know, if you will also give your life to Jesus or ask Jesus to come into your life, Ramesh, he also, God will become real to you and he also will give you a purpose in life. And you can find meaning, you can find purpose just the way I found it in Jesus. Amen. Two minutes. I've told them about meaning and purpose in Jesus. Now, I don't have a testimony of doing drugs and hush, although my name is Hashish. And I never touched Hashish. And, you know, <laughs> you know I, I don't have that kind of a testimony. So the kind of testimony I can share is this. You know, I found meaning. I found purpose. I found direction in life because of Jesus. Now, somebody else in two minutes might say, you know, I was on drugs. I did, you know, I did this. I did that. that and I met Jesus and he changed my life. Wonderful. But whatever it is, two minutes, say it. And who, what was happening to you before you met Jesus? How have you met Jesus? What happened to you after you met Jesus? And give the invitation. Amen? In two minutes you can do that. Or, an inv- um, about divine intervention. Let's say you run into somebody who's going through really difficult problems financially. So what, are, what you need to do? In two minutes share a, a, a story of divine fi- intervention in your life on finances. What did God do for you? So I might say something less. You know, suppose Ramesh is going through a real difficult time financially. I said, Ramesh, you know, uh, many years ago when I was in college, Ramesh, uh, I was believing God for finances. I, I didn't want to ask my parents for it. I had $6,000 I needed to pay for that semester. I didn't have money on my own, but I just kept studying, kept going to class. And, you know, I was praying and asking Jesus to provide for me. I was, you know, reading my Bible and believing his promises. His promises says that God's a shepherd and I won't be in want. So I was just believing that promise. And Ramesh, you know, by the end of that semester, my professor that I was working for, he came and told me, you know, they had $6,000 in surplus and he was going to use that to pay for my tuition. Ramesh, if that's how real Jesus has been to me and if he could provide for me, I believe he can do it for you also. Very simple. Two minutes. I've shared something that pointed him to Jesus as a God who can step in and bring them on intervention into his financial situation. Amen. So, just two minutes and you can share a testimony of, of, of your salvation experience or of divine intervention. You can share it. Uh, and it can just nudge people closer to the Lord. Amen. They may not fall down on their knees and, you know, immediately have uh, uh, this great experience with God, but it moves them closer to Jesus. That two minutes of what you tell, what God did in your life, can move them closer to the Lord. Just bear with me a few more minutes before we close here. Uh, the last one, the last approach I want to talk about is a power encounter approach where uh, people call it power evangelism, where it really you are um, bringing the power of God into their lives. It could be so many ways. It could be a healing that God does in them. It could be a word of knowledge. It could be a prophetic word. It could be a, 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 a miraculous intervention that God does in their life. And there are many examples of this uh, where, uh, where God works supernaturally through us to touch people. So we must expect that as you're evangelizing, as you're sharing Jesus with people, as you're sharing your story, allow God to use you supernaturally to touch somebody. 
we trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.